Good morning, Rock Church. Good morning, Rock Church. Hey, you guys awake? You guys awake? You should be. It's, it's 9 o'clock. It's after 9 o'clock. You should have had enough rest. It smells like sunblock and sunscreen in here, so it must be summer, summer, summertime. Good morning, family. My name is Allison. I am the student pastor here for the Rock Church Point Loma. Thank you, guys. If you heard that, that means I paid them and you guys did your job well. Thank you so much. I want to say hello to everyone who is tuning in online, but most specifically, I want to give a quick shout out to my family who is tuning in right now in the British Virgin Islands. Chad George, uh, Lucas George, my mama, I love you guys so much. I said that without crying. And for everyone here in this room, I want to say hello to you as well. I am beyond excited to be standing before you today. I was wondering while I was backstage if I was gonna say this to you guys, but we wanna keep it real here because we're in the church, amen? So I figured I'll let you know what kind of week I had to lead up to this point. On Friday, believe it or not, I was actually being wheeled around in a wheelchair because I couldn't walk. And I remember going back and forth with my boss trying to call him to tell him that I was not gonna be able to preach today because I couldn't stand. And leading up until yesterday, I was kind of walking with a limp, looked like I was crip walking a little bit. And this morning when I woke up, I stood up and I kind of felt a little, little, little tweak. And I said, all right. I said, Lord, if you want me to do this, you're going to have to take care of me. So by the grace of God, I'm standing right here. I got a little bit of pain, but listen, I'm ready to go. And I mean all this to say is that I don't know what is going to happen today. But the devil was raising hell, which means that God is going to raise heaven in our time here today. Now, over the last couple of weeks, our church has been going through a series called Empowered. And we have been walking through the book of Acts. And last week, Pastor Darren shut it down. And he talked about how the Holy Spirit empowers us to lead. And today I have the distinguished honor to talk about how the Holy Spirit empowers us to see God in a world filled with confusion. Before I continue any further, I wanna invite my helper and advocate, my guide, and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much to be able to stand here in my Jordan ones that I got for my birthday. <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little flex, it's okay. But God, this moment and this next 30 minutes has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with every single person who came into this room expecting to hear from you. So I move myself out of the way, God, so that you can do what only you can do. I surrender my voice to you. This gift that you have given me to be able to speak to belongs to you. And I pray that you receive all the honor, glory, and praise. For those who came into this room today a little bit skeptical, I pray that you would open up their hearts and minds to hear from you and not me. For those who came expecting, I pray they walk away with exactly what you want for them. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone says? Amen. Amen. Now, we're going through the book of Acts. Our series is called Empowered. Now, I want to set the tone for our discussion today. I told you guys that we're going to keep it 100. And so I want to give you guys a spoiler alert. Pastor Allie was not saved her whole entire life. Actually, I've only been saved for about eight years, right? And so I want to give you guys a little glimpse of what it was like to hang out with me 
BC before I knew Jesus, amen? And I wanna just make sure that whatever I say here, y'all better not judge me. Don't write me on Instagram talking about, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did this. This is what family is for. So a typical Friday night with Allie started like this. I would play one of my favorite songs. Go ahead, Siri, play my song. Your girl walks up to the window, actually not to a window, to a mirror. I did a little two-step because we're in church. We had to do a little two-step like this. I got my foundation. And so since I didn't know how to put on makeup, my makeup was two lights, two tints lighter than my face. And I was putting it on. And since I was a basketball player, I didn't like lipstick, so I put on Carmex. And I looked in the mirror and said, oh yeah, she bad. And then I would call my friends and say, yo, you ready to go? And they're like, yeah. And they're like, what are we doing tonight, Allie? What are we doing today? And I would say, you know what? I don't know what you're doing tonight, but I'm ready to get after it this weekend. Every single weekend, I did my little dance, put on my little makeup. Remember, I put on Carmex and I went out. But I turned the music down a little bit. And I was reminding myself that every single weekend, I was chasing something. I don't know what my friends were doing, but I know what I was doing. I was chasing something. Now, I know you guys see these bottles here and you're like, what, they got alcohol in church? Just relax, it's just for an illustration. (laughs) But every weekend I was chasing something. And I used partying as an avenue for me to fulfill the desire in my heart every single weekend. Depending on the weekend, I was choosing to be seen through drinking and partying. Some weekends I was using drinking and partying to be heard, and then I would mix the two together and I want to be seen and heard at the same time. And then other weekends, most weekends, I was always looking to be wanted by someone. And then lastly, I was always looking to be loved. Every single weekend, I was chasing. Every single weekend, I was using these avenues to fill a void in my heart, a God-sized hole that only God fills, could fill. When I reflect on these four bottles that, by the way, don't belong to me, it was from somebody else for this illustration, I thought about all the times that I would run to these vices. And every single time I would run to these vices, I would always feel empty. I would always feel half empty. And as a result, I kept running back to it. Little did I know that these voids that I was trying to fill, to be loved, to be wanted, to be heard, to be seen, was a yearning deep down in my heart to be loved, seen, heard, and wanted by God. I didn't know that then, but I know that now by the power of the Holy Spirit. But I say this because there are many people here in this room who are chasing things. You are confused by what's going on in culture. Culture is encouraging you to pursue individuality. Culture is telling you to pursue spirituality by buying crystals as if it's gonna save you. Burning sage as if it's gonna clean the room when really sage belongs on some turkey. Yep. 
That's not God. We are all guilty, whether we realize it or not, of chasing things that our hearts are really saying, God, I need you. God, I want you. But the distractions of this world are not allowing us to see that our yearnings are really for him. And so where does that leave us today, friends? Where does that leave us on the spectrum of this conversation? Today I'm here to talk about how the Holy Spirit empowers us to see God. If we are going to be a community of believers who helps the world see God, we must first learn as individuals how to see God for ourselves. And so we're gonna be in the book of Acts today and we're gonna be in a narrative. And so I wanna encourage you that every single time you read the Bible, you have to be thinking this, am I reading a song? Am I reading encouragement? Am I being asked and given instructions? Today we're gonna be in a narrative. And so I wanna encourage you right now to take out your Bible and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 17, and turn to verse 22. When you get there, just say, I got it. Oh, y'all were quick. You sure? You got it written on your heart, huh? I love those people. I got it written on my heart. I'm already there. Acts chapter 17, verse 22. And while you have that open, I want to also just encourage you to take out something to write with because you don't know what the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you in this time. While you have it there, I want to just give a set the stage of what we're getting ready to read together in verses 22 through 30. Now, Acts chapter 17 is an action-packed book. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. But 17 is one of my favorites because we see Paul and Silas are running around. And according to scripture, they're being described as men who are turning the world upside down. But the cool thing about them is that they're not turning the world upside down just to make noise, just to show people what they're against. What they are being known for turning the world upside down is that they're telling everybody about the gospel of Jesus. They're going from city to city telling people, yo, Jesus was here and he died and he rose again and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And people in culture are like, yo, 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 yo. This whole dying and resurrecting thing, we can't get with. So in this same chapter, they tell Paul, you and your boys got to go. So they kick him out of Berea and they send Paul to Athens. And Athens is going to be the place where we are going to be settled in for today. And it's important for you guys to know this about this city. Athens during this time was filled with people who were scholars, people who were thought thinkers, thought leaders. That's what they were known for. They led the way in people being intellectual. And Paul is in this city and he's walking around and he is provoked in his spirit, but in a good way, because all he sees around the city is idols. And here we are, we're gonna pick up right when he is stepping into the city and we're gonna start at verse 22. And this is what it reads. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. When I first read that verse, I was like, dang, that's pretty shady to call somebody religious, but whatever. And then he continues and said, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, 
I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think of the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now, but now, he commands all people everywhere to repent. Now I know this was a weighty verse, and so I wanna just talk with you guys a little bit about what's going on in this passage. Like I said with you guys earlier, Paul is just arriving into the city of Athens. And as he is there, like I said before, he was enamored by how many idols he was seeing across the city. And he is greeted by a group of philosophers and they are hearing him talk about the resurrection. They're hearing him talk about the gospel. And so they bring Paul into the Areopagus, which is the epicenter where all of the thought leaders of the city hang out. And they bring him, they say, you know what? Tell us more about this gospel. While the leaders over here were thinking about the gospel, Paul was over here thinking to himself, how is it possible for a group of people, a city and a nation who is known for their intellect to be okay with having gods that are considered to be unknown. What does that mean? How is that okay? And in this passage, this is what he does. He doesn't shame them. He doesn't belittle their intellect. What he begins to do is bring awareness to what they are really looking for. What he begins to do is show them, while you are fixated on these idols, while you're fixated on all these things that you believe that you need as a human being, what I want to reveal to you is that you're really looking for God. Now, like I said before, the people of Athens were very, very smart people, but it's also important for you to know how the people of Athens were also incredibly spiritual people. They were religious. They had 13 gods that they would praise and worship to. But the thing about their gods was this, every single God that they created was formed out of their own desires. You gotta catch that. Every single God that they created, all 13 of them, all reflected a desire they wanted. So at any given point in time, you can be walking through Athens, right? And you can see the God of dreams on display. At any given point in moment when you're walking in Athens, you can see the God of war on display the God of fertility on display. And the one that stood out to Paul was the unknown 
God on display. Like I said, they would take things that were formed by their desires and turn it into a God, which shows that we can take things that are good and turn it into a God. And that's where things get very tricky. So I'm presenting these things to you because it's very important for us to understand that in this day and age, where there is so much confusion and chaos and distractions, in the same way back then, where they made their own desires, their gods, the same thing can happen to us today if we are not careful. If we are not careful, it can happen. So where does that leave us with this passage? In the beginning, I was showing out and telling you guys some of my vices, my gods that I worship and gave my affection to was to be seen, wanted, loved, and heard. You saw how in Athens, how they made desires of their own. And then here's where you come in, where if we're not careful, it can happen to you, where you can take something like your career, take something like your status, and then I, right here we put our ships because I couldn't spell relationships on the bottle, but you can take relationships and make them your idol. And then lastly, you can make your image and turn it into an idol. Again, it's an example of taking something good and making it a God. So then what do we do? How do we make sure that we don't fall into a trap of taking something good and turning it into a God? I'm here to highlight to you guys four things that we need to keep in mind, four things that we need to understand individuals as individuals, if we call ourselves followers of Christ, we need to understand these four things on a daily basis so that we can see God in a world filled with distractions. And here's the first one. Number one, we can only see God clearly when we understand his truth. Acts chapter 17, verse 24 through 25, Paul first begins to bring awareness that the unknown God that they were worshiping is the God who created everything. So before Paul was seeking to bring revelation, he sought first to bring awareness to what they were looking for. In order for you to receive revelation, you must be informed and aware that there is something to be revealed. And so Paul begins to speak to their minds, begins to help them see, hey, these, your, the tendency for you to think that God can be created in your own hands is actually really you yearning for the God who created this whole entire world, but you can't see it. The reason why you can't see it is because you're distracted by what you believe in your own mind is the way God should look. Something that's made by your hands. And he's like, let me help you out. You're not looking for something that you can make in your hands. You're looking for the one who created you in his hands and you owe him nothing. This was important for them to know because they believed that their gods could be made in their hands. When he spoke this to them, he didn't speak to give information. He spoke to give revelation. I remember back in 2017 when I got settled here in The Rock, I had the honor and privilege to be discipled by two gospel gangsters that go to this church. 
And that was Susan Gayoso and Kelsey Dillon over at City Heights. Those are my girls. And I remember as we were being, they were discipling me, I'll never forget this question they asked me. And he said, Allison, do you understand the role that the Holy Spirit plays in your life? And so I thought it was a trick question. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I understand. Um, he lives inside of me and he tells me when I'm being ratchet. <laughs> Sounds pretty reasonable to me. And they're like, no, 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 Allie, 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 Allie. Yeah, you're right, you are ratchet. And he tells you on a regular basis that you are. But you're missing it. There's so many attributes about the Holy Spirit that you have yet to see. He's the revealer of all truth. He is our guide. He is our advocate. He's the one who intercedes. She said, Ali, you need to understand this because once you understand what the Holy Spirit can do, then you know what to ask. So if we are going to be people who understand his truth, we need to know how to go to the one whose responsibility is to reveal truth to us. So what does that look like practically in your life? Have you ever read the Bible and you open it up and you're like, I don't even know what they're talking about. This escalated really quickly. We went from hugging to chopping someone's neck off. Have you ever had that one time? You're like, I don't know what's happening. Raise your hand. Have you ever had a time where you were confused reading the Bible? Raise your hand. That's me all day. That was me last night and this morning. I was like, Lord, I can't do this. But I have gotten in the habit that every single time I read my Bible, I recognize that the Holy Spirit is waiting. He's waiting like this. I always kind of see him as waiting by my bed, waiting for me to tap him in and say, are you going to ask me to do my job so I can help you understand the Bible or are you going to let me just stand here and wait for you to, to figure out what this is about? So I've gotten in the habit of saying, you know what? Holy Spirit, you are the revealer of truth. I'm getting ready to read your truth. Can you help me see what you want me to see about God as I read the Bible? Can you help me what I'm supposed to understand about the nature of God because that is your role in my life? If you wanna apply that, start asking those questions of the Holy Spirit because that is what he's here to do. If we are going to be people who understand and see God in a world full of chaos, we must understand his truth and utilize the Holy Spirit for us to understand that. Number two, we must understand his sovereignty. In Acts chapter 17, verse 25, Paul speaks to the sovereignty of God to help them see that they don't need to earn anything from him. Now, this was important for them to know because they believed their gods needed things from them. What do we mean when we say God is sovereign? When we say that, we're saying that he is powerful, he is the ultimate authority over everything, 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 what? Everything. He's the ultimate authority of everything. In Colossians 1, verse 16 through 17, it says, for in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. As believers, now more than ever, especially in a climate right now where there's so many things that are just up in the air, we need to understand now more than ever his sovereignty and his power because we need to anchor ourselves to this. You wanna know why? 
Because if you don't start acting in a manner as if you know his power, we're gonna be missing out. Now, show of hands real quickly. How many of you guys actually enjoy watching the NBA? Raise your hand, raise your hand. All right, I'm just taking account of everyone who I can be friends with after this, okay? Now, this is the most important question. How many of you guys are Laker fans? Raise your hand. Okay, God bless you, God sees you, extra room in heaven. Now I wanna see if you're like a real OG. I wanna see if you're like a real OG um, Laker fan. Raise your hand if you know who Smush Parker is. Raise your hand. Okay, so we'll be friends after this. We'll be friends after this. Currently right now, the star of the NBA and the Lakers is LeBron James, LeBron James. And LeBron James has three children. So imagine if this, LeBron James kids rolls up to Staples Center, AKA Crypto.com Arena, super annoying. They roll up to their dad's game and they sit outside and say, man, I wish I can get inside that game. I wonder what it would take for me to get inside a basketball game where my dad is playing right now. I wonder how much it would cost to get into a game to see my dad play. I know many of you guys would be like, fam, your dad is LeBron James. Why don't you just ask him to get you in? But guess what? We do the same thing with God. We forget the access, the authority, and the power that he has. So we're always sitting back being like, man, I wish I could heal somebody. Man, I wish I could be prophetic. Man, I wish I could speak life. Man, I wish I could do that. Failing to recognize that God is your father and you are connected to him. Therefore, whatever power he has, you got it too. You have it too. If we are going to be believers and people and followers of Christ who see God in a world full of distractions, let me tell you this, we better know his power. You better know how to access that power and know that you have access because he is your father. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Scripture says that the same power that conquered the grave lives inside of us. So we don't have to look any further for the power to transform because it's already living inside of us. If we are going to see God in a world full of distractions, we 100% must, must, must know his power. How does that look like practically in our lives? Take him for who he says he is. If you believe him to be a provider, believe him to be a provider. If you believe him to be a healer, believe him to be your healer. If you believe him to be the reveal of all truth, you better believe him for who he is. Because God doesn't change like the boyfriend you were dating last week. He stays who he is today, yesterday, and even when we aren't here on this earth, he's gonna still be who he is. Cling to that. Number three. If we are going to continue to be people who see God in a world full of distractions, we need to understand his plan. I read a funny quote the other day. Actually, you know what, let me be honest. I actually read a funny quote about five hours ago because I was still working on my sermon this morning. <laughs> and I came across this, this really funny quote and it read like this. God's plan for your life is a lot better than the one you have been working on. <laughs> I'm gonna read this again. 
God's plan for your life is a lot better than the one that you have been working on. How many of you here in this room just got a bunch of plans? Just got a lot of plans. You just plan stuff. You don't even know why you're planning. You're just planning. Like right now, you're planning, planning where you're going to go out to eat, planning who you're going to call, planning who you're going to text. You just plan. Raise your hand. Let me tell you right now, Allie is a planner, okay? When I was in middle school, you couldn't tell me nothing. I was going to be the president of the United States. I had plans. I was going to be a rapper. I was going to be a a, a manager. I was going to be all these things. And as I think about all the plans that I was making, you know, I was thinking to myself, you ever wonder what, what God is doing as he's watching us make our plans? I had this visual this morning, because remember, I was working on my message this morning, and I had this funny visual of God kind of just, you know, you know, not moving too far from the throne, but just a little bit, just like a little, little, you know, I'm going to look over. And I hear him calling Moses, hey, Moses, come check this out. Remember when I told you to speak to the rock and you hit it? Check this one out, because he's about to mess it up right now, too. Mary, come on. You see that guy over there? Look at him. Mm-hmm, so cute. Out here thinking he's making plans that are going to happen, but he didn't consult me. Oh, look at that. Now he's over here telling his friends, the Lord told him to do this. That ain't me. That ain't me. Mm-mm. Joseph, come see this. Yup. Yup. You see that? <laughs> I don't think he's laughing at us, but I'm sure he's having a good time. Good time watching us and make our plans. But remember, I wanted to be a rapper. I wanted to be the president of the United States. Clearly, I'm not either of those things today. But one thing that I've come to find is that God will wreck our plans before he allows it to wreck us. God will wreck our plans before he allows it to wreck us. See, friends, the reason why it is so important for us to understand God's plans for our lives is because if you don't recognize that he has plans to do something good, then you're gonna take the narrative of what the world says and claim it as your own. God has a wonderful and unique and individual plan for every single one of his children. But do you believe that? Do you know that to be true for yourself? That he has a plan for you? Because if he had a plan for this little ratchet baby like me, he 100% has a plan for you. You need to know this for yourself. In Acts 17, 27, we see Paul's tone shift dramatically as he brings awareness to the people of Athens by revealing God's intent for humankind. He said this, God did this so that we seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him through. Although he is not far from any one of us, he is there. And in that, he is revealing to the people of Athens essentially his plan for us to see him and for us to find him. That's something that we can cling to as believers. If you're ever wondering, why am I here on this earth? It's not just random. He's here to woo you until you say yes. I don't know anyone here in this life that would say, I love you first, unless they know it was guaranteed it would be saved back. But guess what? That's who we serve. He'll say, I love you a thousand times before you even say yes to him. That's the God that we serve. And he has a plan for all of us. His plan 
practically every day is to keep that in mind. We may not always understand his ways, but you can always trust his plan. If we're gonna see God clearly in a world full of distractions, we're gonna need to trust and understand his plan. Now again, there's three things that I started off with. If we wanna begin to see God clearly, we gotta be able to understand his truth, understand his sovereignty, understand his plan. But this one, in my opinion, is the most important thing in this life, especially in a climate right now where it is so volatile and there's so many different opinions. This is the most important. If we're gonna see God in a world full of distractions, we must understand the gospel. We have to understand the gospel. Friends, the gospel is the foundation to our faith. Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again just as he said he would do. Who you else know that would do something like that but Jesus? Nobody. But yet we treat the gospel as if it is a bookmark when really it is truly the anchor of our faith. Friends, people don't need to hear the opinions of the church anymore. They need to know about the gospel. They don't need to hear anymore what we are against. They need to hear the gospel. They don't need to hear anymore about what we don't like, what we don't agree with. They need to hear the what? The gospel. He died. He rose again. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father. If you know nothing else, if you never remember any Bible verse, I want you to get in the habit of recognizing how to communicate the gospel to those who need it. The world is desperate to hear what you know. Nobody keeps something good to themselves. So my question to you is this, if you have not been sharing the gospel with other people, why haven't you? This whole entire time we have been watching Paul in this narrative being used by the power of the Holy Spirit to help a whole city see God. And I firmly believe today that the Holy Spirit is wanting to do the same through his church. But we first need to understand that before we go and try to tell other people how to see him, we gotta see him for ourselves. We gotta understand his truth. We need to understand his sovereignty. We need to understand his plan. We need to understand the gospel for ourselves. We need to know that, like the air that we breathe. In 1 John 4.10, it reads this. If you could put it on the screen. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he that loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This captures the love that he has for us, for this world, and for his children. As I get ready to close, when I first got saved, for real, for real, like not like the couple times that I prayed, but for real, for real, <laughs> I remember being so on fire for the Lord, and I was living in LA, and I remember being so excited because I was genuinely eager to read the Bible for myself. 
And then I read Genesis and I was mad confused and got real discouraged. <laughs> I was like, okay, I don't know what just happened. So I called my mom. I called my mom and I said, mom, I'm super hyped. I got a new Bible, but things got real weird after Leviticus. And I don't really feel inspired to read this anymore. And she said, I'm not going to do her accent because I know she's watching it. And she said, it's been really bad lately. But she said, how about you start in the Gospels? Don't start in Genesis. You, you'll get there. You can go backwards. But she said, start in the Gospel. Because in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John unfolds a really cool story of what you said yes to. Who you said yes to. And in the same vein as you understand this wonderful man who came and died for your sins so you can live, you're also going to be able to see a screenshot of what his yes meant for you as well. So as I read through Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, your girl was crying thug tears. I was like, oh my gosh, you love me? You died for me? I'm here? And now it's the place that I always tell people to start. Start from the beginning. Start with why you said yes and understand what he said yes to. Now I know here in this room today, there are people who walked into this room and resonated with all these bottles here. They resonated with this yearning in their heart for more and it brought them here today. But you've been coming every single week and you haven't taken the next step to what that yearning is in your heart. May I subscribe a recommendation to you that that yearning in your heart is not just a coincidence, it's not a vibe, it's not a feeling. That is the Holy Spirit speaking to you saying, I've had my hand extended to you, will you take it? And will you walk with me? And in a minute, I'm going to extend an invitation to take the hand that has been waiting for you to take his and begin a journey in life. But I also want to do this and address everyone who calls himself a believer. The last couple of years has been a crazy, crazy environment for our world. And if you have learned nothing else about this passage, I wanna remind you today that God is calling you to be used in the same way that he used Paul in the city of Athens. He wants to use every single one of you to help people see God in the city of San Diego. But my question to you today is this, will you continue to come to this church and be a consumer or will today be the day where you say, I'm ready to be a contributor? I'm ready to be used by the Holy Spirit to help other people see God. All you have to do is say yes and say, God, use me, and he'll do the rest. That's all you have to do. At this time, I wanna ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. I wanna talk back to my friends who had that yearning in their heart. If you are here today and you have felt a tugging in your heart and you've been wanting more, searching for more, You've been doing it through partying and sleeping around, crystals and all that other stuff, everything but him. And you're recognizing today, that today is the day that you wanna say yes.
If that is you right now, with everyone's eyes closed and head bowed, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three because I'm gonna pray for you. If that's you and you want prayer and you wanna say yes to the Lord, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Go ahead, raise your hand high, raise your hand high. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Come on, come on, Jesus, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. All over the room. Now go ahead and put your hand down. I wanna pray for you. God, thank you so much that in the privacy of our hearts, we can say yes to you. If you raise your hand, all you need to do is accept and admit that you are in need of a savior. Believe that he died and rose again and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you do that in the privacy of your heart, that extended hand would be an open hand saying yes to you. So Spirit of the living God, I thank you right now for those who made a commitment right now to say yes to you. Thank you, God, that they are beginning a journey here today. The best yes they can ever say. And I pray from this day forth that they find encouragement here in this house, community, purpose, safety. And for everyone else here in this room, God, would you encourage them that your spirit lives in them and you are seeking to empower them to help others see God. Thank you, God, that the Rock Church will be known as a house that helps people see the Lord. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for all that you have done in this time together. In your name I pray, everyone says, amen.